Where the hell have you been? God. Hetty, what are you doing in my room? I've been waiting since six o'clock last night to hear from you. I've been worried sick. But he was crying all night and finally had to come in here so he'd calm down. I'm sorry, I guess I just didn't think. No, you didn't. And there's such a thing as a phone, you know? This is New York, things happen. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, it was thoughtless, really. <laughs> Making me feel like I'm 16 years old here. Hey. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, uh... Forget it. <laughs> so, uh, I guess you patched things up with Sam, huh? Yeah. Well, I made him suffer. Is that an engagement ring? <gasps> well, I... Personality. You've got this great style. You're running your own business. You are always gonna find someone. You'd have to be stupid to think that you wouldn't. <laughs> well, I guess you, uh, you and Sam want to be together, so. <laughs> I have to move out, right? Huh? Well, not right away. I mean, Sam's gonna keep his place for a while, and I know you just spent a lot on furniture. Yeah, your timing is great, Allie. It's really great. You promised me that this wouldn't happen. Well, exactly this. Nothing's happened, Hetty. Uh -huh. Come on. I mean, look, I'll talk to Sam. We'll, we'll... Maybe we'll move, I don't know. Maybe we'll find someplace like this, or... I don't know. But we'll see, we'll figure something out. Okay? Welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. I'm Brandon Ford, and Monday morning, your history. I'll tell everyone about tonight. Transfer to Washington. Transfer to Jefferson. No one at Westerberg's going to let you play their reindeer games. G'day, this is Tony the Tiger, the thunder from down under. Now, you will see me one more time if you do good. You will see me two more times if you do bad. Oh, that sounds 
naughty. <laughs> I felt super aggro doing my quote. I don't know what came over me, but I felt the bitterness. Yeah, it, it in of the you, character you embodies it. I I think I did. Yeah. I think I did. I got chills. I, I, I think I was still. I think I would think I was still in Gina Gershon mode a little bit. Mm -mm. You got the mm. lips for it. I do. On the face. They call them DSLs. <sighs> yeah. Um. So, this week on the Bright Blind Rage Podcast, we are doing another favorite of Tony and me. 1992's Single White Female starring Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee. And um, but before we get that out of the way I'm just going no, before we get into that I'm going to get the plugs out of the way. I wish I knew how to edit. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, yeah. So before we get into the movie, I'm going to get the plugs quickly out of the way. I would like to encourage everybody to please check out my books on Amazon.com by typing in Brandon Ford. There you'll find my titles in hardcover, Kindle, and paperback editions. You can also subscribe to my author page to receive email notifications whenever I have a new release. I also have several titles available in audiobook format on Audible. You can subscribe to me there as well. You can follow me on both X and Pearl. Letterboxd at uh, Brandon Ford um, and you. Yes, on X, and I hate saying that. I know, it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, Madonna Horror, and on Tony the Tiger, it's... Uh, <laughs> Letterboxd. <laughs> Sorry. I keep forgetting to do yeah, the underscores no, it's, it's, now. What I'm is that? It's Tony underscore the underscore bear. I just lost myself for a second there. And please follow the um, Blind Rage Podcast Instagram. And don't forget to check out the official Blind Rage Podcast Facebook page to like and subscribe if you have any questions comments concerns critiques suggestions recommendations you can feel free to email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com last and most importantly please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the blind rage podcast on your preferred podcasting platform mm. superb um I need a little drink. I got a little raspy there. Mm, mm. So, what have you been... Oh, I forgot to mention that this is the month of Gobble Gobble. Oh. <laughs> we are in November. In Thanksgiving. Yes. Gobble Gobble month. Next thing you know, it'll be a ho, naughty ho, ho. or yeah. nice month. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Mm -hmm. um, it's also my anniversary month. Um, oh, yeah. How many years? Oh, fucking hell! Uh, no, I think it's six. I, what? I have to look these things up. Uh, I okay. My wedding anniversary. Yes. Yeah, I know. I um, thought it was four. <laughs> no, we've had we've had the kids for four years. 
Anyway, um, so by my recent viewing, yeah. I finally got around to watching a movie that I have um, spent decades not getting around to watching. And it's a movie called Bug. <gasps> <laughs> Which I know you've been, you've been waiting for me to watch. And I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a well-made piece. It was very uh, claustrophobic, very tense, very uh, slow burn suspense. Um, the only thing that I will say is that I wish... <laughs> Are you still there? Mm. Yeah, I can hear I'm, I'm listening with intent, yes. I actually wish that it had been directed by David Cronenberg. And I just feel that um, it was made maybe a bit too straightforwardly that it um and simplistically I think it deserved a more interesting delivery than what it got but other than that I think that the acting the uh the build up you know the, the um intense intensity of it was quite good uh, the other thing that I've been watching is I started a show which is three seasons in at the moment, but I've not been minding it. It's just a, a little show called Evil, which is about a psychologist that gets hired by a priest to help him investigate uh, possessions and miracles to see if they're false or not. Is that an Australian show? No, it's an American one. Oh, who's in that? Uh, um, I don't know. Oh, it's got one actor that I've seen before who played sort of a villainous role in Lost, but I I never really watched Lost, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> he was like a guy... Terry O'Quinn. He was like a shorter guy and he wore really round, small glasses. I've never seen Lost oh, okay, okay. either. Well, so... Yeah, I didn't drink the Kool Aid on that one. No, nah, I never, I never started it. My sister watched it and enjoyed, like uh, she watched it on DVD and enjoyed, enjoyed it. But I don't think she got around to watching the end of it or anything. But yeah, I remember the boys at school liking it, but I just never really the boys, the boys. Mm -hmm. And how about yourself? What have you been up to? I have a couple of revisits um I watched a movie that I hadn't seen in a very long time it was a Roger Corman production from 1992 called To Sleep With a Vampire and um it has Charlie Spradling in it and Scott Valentine and since, of course, it, you know, it's a Roger Corman movie, so of course there's got to be a stripper. <laughs> um, so Charlie's character is a stripper, and um, she's not happy because of her life, the way her, the trajectory of her life, and she made some bad choices, and thus, um, 
in effect uh, got her son taken away and she can't she's she's can't contact no contact with him and she's suicidal and um, <laughs> this is probably the most ridiculous part of the movie that I had to laugh out loud because I forgot about it but um, I think she took out some pills that she had planned on taking that night uh, while she was backstage at the club and um, one of her co- workers saw the pills and was like oh that's just a cry for help you don't die and then somebody saves you and then you do it again if you're serious you use this and she pulls out a gun oh my god <laughs> puts it on the table and she says i want this back tomorrow and then i never want to hear any of the shit again and it's like okay um the last thing you do Maybe I'm crazy here, um, but if you have a friend who's suicidal, maybe get them some help well, as opposed to giving them a loaded gun. And how would she get the gun back? She was going to see her the next night. But if she uses the, it, then how is she going to get it back? <laughs> well, she didn't really believe that she was going to use it. That's the thing. Oh, okay. It was, it was like going to be a test. Yep, yep. You know, it's like if you're really serious... Here's the way to do it. If not, I want this back tomorrow, and then I don't want to hear about it anymore. Mm. Um, but what if she did? Like, how horrible would you feel? It's like, yeah, I gave her the gun that she used to kill herself. Yeah, um, I thought she was joking. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so, um, Scott. Scott is... Uh, his character is a um, a vampire, and he's he's more of a traditional vampire. Because I've said before, I fucking hate those vampire movies that try to rewrite the whole vampire lore. Um, that really fucking annoys me. Um, I don't really like vampire movies, but the few I like are traditional vampire movies. With him. Uh, the only thing they really changed was you don't turn into a vampire if you're bitten. Um, vampires are another species. They're born. They're not made. Um, and that's it. So not um, like I was a team vampire. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, he picked her because he has, you know, extra sensory whatever and he could like hear her thoughts and he knew that she was suicidal so um he was going to take her um because she wanted to die anyway and before he does um he because he's he's never experienced the sun he wants to know what it's like so he says at dawn I will kill you, but in the meantime, <laughs> you're going to tell me about the day. So the movie follows them on their night together, um, and um, um, it's good in the bad movie kind of way. Okay. The uh, it's good in the '90s Roger Corman bad movie 
kind yeah. of way is. Um, and I do like a lot of sleazy 90s Roger Corman movies. So, um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a good revisit. And another one that I hadn't seen in a long time that I revisited was The Stepfather 2. And um, that was also a nice revisit because I had, I'd seen the first one many times and I, I kind of forgot. Well, Meg, Meg Foster's performance does leave something to be desired, I will say. But um, for the most part, the, the, the second one really does hold up. Um, I don't think it's as good as the original, but it's, it's a worthy... Um, what's the opposite of predecessor? Um, offspring. <laughs> uh, can I just ask, is the stepfather too, does it involve the woman who is a real estate agent and her son? Yes. Okay, yeah. I yes. reckon I saw that one Jonathan before Brandes. I saw part one, so it was one of those movies for me where I saw the sequel first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't realise how little... Um, Jonathan Brandis was actually in the movie. Yeah. He's barely in it. But um, the end sequence during the wedding is, is very, very well well done. That's a, that's a really good... Yeah. And it's very well edited. And um, one, one thing that I thought was really interesting about that movie was um, it was written and um produced with the intention of going straight to video. Okay. And then the producers saw it and they were like, "Huh. We well, this is pretty good. So we're going to put this in the theater." So I think it got a limited, but it yeah, it got a theatrical release. Speaking so. of ending wed- weddings, I liked the, the wedding at the end of Problem Child 2 and me and my sister used no, you to didn't. quote <laughs> the bride. <laughs> <laughs> I hate your family. I command you to stop. <laughs> with that big boulder rolling towards it. <laughs> yeah, with the heart. That movie is terrible. <laughs> the first one really isn't anything in it. <laughs> very good either. No. I mean, it's one of those movies that's fun when you're, like, nine years old, but if you watch it as an adult, it's like, no, no, no. Yeah, the best part of the first one was when it was in Cape Fear. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, we're going to watch Single White Female, and I'm sure you will have no trouble finding this if you want to join us. Uh, are we ready? I certainly am, Mr. Music. Alright. Okay. So we're going to begin single white female in three, two, one, play. Now, I wanted to surprise you um, because, as you know, I would like to do my research. Mm-hmm. So, in preparation for this episode, I revisited the book. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and 
they did not the book and the movie does not pass they don't even pass each other in the hallway okay it's ridiculously different yeah just the titles there aren't even any twins yeah no the title is not even the same oh, really oh okay what was the title of the book swf six same oh god <laughs> there's no twins um Hed, Hedy is named Hedra Carlson, but um, Allison doesn't nickname her Hedy. Yeah. Um, oh my god, there's so many differences. Um, Graham is not gay uh, or an out-of-work actor. Graham is a guy that Allie meets. Um, he works at... Uh, he's a playwright. Okay. And he works at a, a diner. And um, she sees him and she's like, he looks kind of familiar. And um, uh, she realizes that he, he lives in the building. But they're not anywhere near as close as they are. Yeah, yeah. In the so movie. she doesn't pet sit. No. Yeah. Nope. Um, and in the book, Graham dies... Because uh, what happens is, after years of struggling, he gets a play produced, and it's like the third night, and he walks off a curb and gets run over. Oh. And it's said that Hedra did it, but it's they don't really go into detail. Okay. Because Hedra doesn't have a car. Yeah. So you don't know how the fuck she killed him. Um, and this opening is kind of in the book. However, uh, Lisa is not Sam's ex-wife. Yeah. Lisa is just a girl that he had a fling with. And she calls and is like fucking, um... She's very antagonistic, and she's like, you know, I because she didn't know where he lived, and she's like, I followed you home, and I got your number, and da da da, and she's like telling Allie that they had slept together. Um. So, him being unfaithful is the impetus for her getting a remake it just doesn't happen there's it's so funny because it's, you don't really think of movies as having more depth than novels yes but yeah. there's a lot more depth and detail in the movie than there is in the book and every every single change that they made in the movie and believe me those changes are legion mm-hmm. they were made for the better yeah yeah Everything is made. How, how long for was the, the book? Uh, it's like a standard, like three hundred okay, pages okay. or so. Um, but I will go. I as certain scenes come up, I will go. Oh, and there's no dog. Okay. No dog. Um, I will. I will discuss certain things as, as they, they come, come up. Uh huh. Um, Hetty's kind of different too, um, in the book. In what way? Um, um, 
I, I, well, Hetty's in the movie, she's, you could tell she's awkward and she has no confidence. Um, and, and, um, she really doesn't have any sense of self. I wasn't sure um, if that was an act. No. Yeah. No. Um, it, it, a lot of it had to, has to do with her twin. Yeah. Um, because of, you know, she, she admired her sister so much and she, and her, and she says, you know, she was, the twins are not always identical. Yeah. There's always one, there's always one prettier. Um, I just wasn't sure sister, because of the teller at the end of the movie, you know, saying, oh, um, asking if she's an actress and she keeps changing her look. Well, I think that was supposed to, um, suggest that. Hedra had done this before. Yeah. Yes. With, uh, with other roommates. Um, cause she's, she's, uh, she, uh, she had done it at least three times yeah. in the book. Um, there was also a lot of sex in, no, in the movie. Um, before this, um, before this scene, there were like varying positions because the director was like uh, I think he's French and he has a very European Barbette. sense of filmmaking yeah yeah Barbet when was, um, was Basic Instinct? it was the same year okay 92 yeah okay so the sexuality aspect of film was coming out yeah yeah, and at this time, it was very taboo for um, women uh, in Hollywood movies to do nude scenes. Mm. Um, There's quite a few nudes in this one. Oh, quite. Um, but uh, the director... Um, sung both of their praises. He really liked working with both of them. He, he was really, really... Uh, blown away with Jennifer because at this time she was she was pretty seasoned. Yeah, she was you know acting for more than oh god, fifteen years. Yeah, um, this was like one of Bridget's first movies. I think this was her breakout movie. Really, she was given the ro- she was given the option of which character she'd like to play. That's why I thought maybe she was the bigger name. Um, she was probably given that because she's a Fonda. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, the only thing that she had, the only things that she had done, I'm pretty sure, was like that tiny role in uh, Army of Darkness. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Drop Dead Fred. What was uh, she? She what really was she wasn't in, in much at all. Oh, Canada. that's right. Yes, yes. She was the other woman. Yes. Um, his name is Mayfair or Mayflower or something in the book. I don't know why. Yeah, they changed it. And to uh, I just wanted to say that at this time, at the time the movie was being made, when you you see all her very sophisticated software on the laptop, there were no color computers screens yet. So all that was done optically, yes. um, because they knew that 
color screens were on the horizon, and they didn't want to make the movie look dated. Yeah. Um, that was forward thinking of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what I was going to say is there was a John mm-hmm. Waters movie where I reckon it was where he talked about how you couldn't have a name if there was someone living in the area that had, a, had that name, like within a certain radius. Have you ever heard something I don't, like that? I don't know about that. Or something, I don't know something exactly. along those lines. <laughs> I don't know what the stipulations are, but I do know that certain names have to get clearance by the... I don't know if it's by the studio or if it's uh, somebody else. Yeah. But you have to get clearance in order to use certain names in a movie. Yeah. Um, with novels, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But with movies, they're, they're a little more well, strict. I, I, something I find with movies is that you need a good horror name because um, there are certain names you just can't scream well. And I find that a lot of them are single syllable or like very easy flow. Well, you, yeah, because well, you said that, that. Did you see the big epic Friday the 13th documentary? Um, might have. Because in part three, um, the final girl, her boyfriend, or she, the, the guy she was hoping would save her, uh, his name in the original script was Derek. Yeah. But they changed it to Rick because they wanted her to scream a one-syllable name. Yeah, yes. Oh. I like how this guy played gay. Um, like, not... Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I don't think... I don't think he's necessarily stereotypical. Um... No, I, not stereotype. Like I'm saying, it's against no. what the stereotype. At the yeah. Time is, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because we we've had this conversation before with actors who are not gay and play gay the way they would play any other role. And Paul Rudd always comes straight to mind whenever I think of that. Yeah, but I'm almost a hundred percent sure he's not gay. But, yeah, um, I don't think he this, is. This. Um, I mean. He's not necessarily effeminate, but he has his mannerisms are enough so that you know. Yes, yeah. But he doesn't go over the top, and he's not a caricature. Yeah. There's Rene Estevez. Ah. From what movie? Um, from that one with the names, <laughs> Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> Two. Two, yeah. I was going to say three. I should have said two. Well, um, that one had Melanie Griffith's sister. Yes. But, uh, yeah, the um, uh, Peter Friedman, who was in one of my favourite thrillers from the 90s called Blink with Madeline Stowe. Oh. But upon rewatching it kind of recently, it's a bit long and like got some pacing issues but still good about to see the introduction of Jennifer yes and what I I think 
what's good is um, I feel like they don't make these type of movies these days where you get two... Well, they do, but they're on Lifetime. <laughs> such two strong leads from actors that are well-known, like... Well, this is this is a a character study. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's a Hollywood genre film, but it is it is still a character study. Yeah. Um, and um, it was written by the screenplay was written by Don Roos, who okay. um, wrote um, uh, the opposite of sex. Really? Um, okay. I just I don't think I had lunch, that's all. Um, what was I gonna say? Um Oh. Um Stephen Weber had said that at the time they were making this, um, Bridget Fonda was dating Eric Stoltz. Okay. Um and they used to hang out a lot together and smoke. Was he from Mask? Yes. Okay. And he was also in Sister Sister with Jennifer. That's right, yes. So, so it was kind of like a reunion. All three of them. these were in um, Quentin Tarantino movies. Which one was Jennifer in? The Hateful Eight. Oh. And which one was Bridget in? Jackie Brown. And which one was Eric Stoltz? I don't fucking know. I think he played... Reservoir Dogs? Pulp Fiction. The drug dealer. I'm Have you not seen it? Okay. All the way through. All, right. all the way through. And you <laughs> scoffed at me. <laughs> well, you said you'd never seen Thelma and Louise. Well, I might have, I reckon I have seen Thelma and Louise. Like, I've seen patches of it, and I, but I reckon don't I have seen the whole thing. now. Um, I think they did a really, really excellent job matching the interiors with the exteriors because yes. the, all the apartments are sits on the soundstage. Where was that filmed? Uh, Venice. Really? In California? Yeah. The all the exteriors <laughs> are in New York. Venice in America. <laughs> All the exteriors, oh yeah, all the exteriors are in New York. Yeah, like and um, all the interiors are in California. Like, two, um, or, uh, the couple scenes ago when Allie goes to meet with Mitch, she's outside walking the streets of New York, and then when she goes inside, she's in a restaurant in Venice. Yeah, um, the building is lovely. I think the, just by the way. The bill, as far as the building goes, the only things that were the actual building were the stairs, some of the halls, the lobby. Yeah. Um, I don't think this was the basement. Yeah. The basement. No. They really wanted to film, or the director really wanted to film at the Dakota. Um. Or Rosemary's Baby was filmed. Okay. But I don't uh, think they could get it. And I think that you should leave that hotel with that movie. Oh, I, a lot of movies were filmed at that hotel. Oh, movie. <laughs> re, re, building. Sorry, a lot of yeah. movies were filmed in that building. Um, 
and since they couldn't get the building, they tried to copy the elevator. Yeah. I thought they were copying the elevator from Fatal Attraction. Now, <laughs> though, uh, ninety-two was a good year for these female um, uh, thrillers because I had this one and uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle and um, Basic Instinct. Yes, and I I think the Hand That Rocks the Cradle came out early in ninety-two. Because Don Roos said that he had seen it and it inspired him while he was writing the movie. Um, and um, one of his biggest inspirations was the, the aspect of one character moving into another character's home and taking over and being in their to take over their place, yeah. Way Rebecca Mornay was trying yeah. to be the be the mother, and he said like he always he thought the worst thing that she had done was when she breastfeeds the baby. Yeah. Um, because he because she was stealing that from the mother. Yeah. Um, and he thought of that while he was writing the scene when. Uh, Allie and Sam are post-coital and Allie goes uh, to get the glass of water yeah. and Hendra's in the doorway so yeah. he wanted it to I never got this because it's you know but it was supposed to be Hedra was stealing their afterglow their, their post-coital yeah. afterglow she was taking something their, that belonged to them as a couple and she was invading their pillow talk on it. yeah Um, something that I was considering, um, although I guess if the if the book was well known, I kind of wish that uh, the advertising and the posters weren't so obvious of who the villain was, because you might suggest that both of these are single white females. Like, <laughs> you, you, I like a movie that you know um, can surprise you in where it's going, but if you know from the get go who's going to be the villain, it's sort of like. It doesn't allow Bridget any room to play with her characters herself and Jennifer so much either. There's a scene like this in the book. However, Allie comes home and she finds Hedra in her room and she's wearing her clothes. And she... First she's like... And then she kind of takes it in stride and she's like, eh. she's insecure. She doesn't really have any confidence. She doesn't know anything about fashion. So she gives her a dress. Yeah. Um, anybody else would have thought, okay, what the fuck are you doing? That would have been the first red flag. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you would think, but no, not for the book alley. The book mm -hmm. alley was stupid. The movie alley was a little naive, Yeah, yeah. I would say. Did you ever watch the I sequel? Think... Yeah. <laughs> I do love the um its official name. Single white female the to psycho. the Because <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee is like level headed compared. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and another thing, too, that I never understood is why the roommate is considered a remake of this. Oh, okay. It was, and it was marketed as a remake of this. Yeah. The actors, when they did interviews, were saying that it's based heavily on single-way female. No, it's not at all. Well, did, did the roommate sort of come out soon after Swim Fan? No. Okay. Um, it was like 10 years. I, I, I remember, I feel like I watched The Roommate, but have forgotten everything about it. Well, I mean, it's, it's a very paint-by-numbers thriller. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's younger girls that are, who are in college, and it's, the psycho one is just, um... Does one of them break their own finger? I think so. To like to not play the cello or something, or am I thinking of another movie? I don't know about that. Okay. The only thing I remember is um, the Psycho one. Their professor was played by Billy Zane, and she tries to seduce him. And then when she gets him in his office, she starts screaming and tries to act like he was going to rape her. Um, but. And I think she did it because he had failed the other girl, or he did something to the other girl. But it was like, um, not the way this is, where Hetty really wants to be her, or be so close to her, like a sister. It's like, more like a story of obsession. Yeah. Where she's just very crazy and and overbear it's like it's like a non romantic version of the crush yeah kind yeah, of yeah i i liked the twin element in this one it, it, i think if it wasn't there it would yeah, sort of it make works. her character seem it gives her character yeah. more depth um unlike the hedra in the book where she really doesn't have much depth at all mm. Um, and what was interesting too is in the book there is an afterword because the one I had was a, a reprint and um, the author John Lutz um, was talking about the movie's legacy um, and how he hears the phrase single white female being used if like somebody tries to copy another person either with looks or mm. dress or, or whatever saying oh they got single white female or you're single white femaleing me um, and then he was like and it even you know spawned a remake with the roommate and I'm like what are you talking about and he was saying how much he really liked the movie and I would if it was me I would have been pissed um, but I think if it, it's good that he can acknowledge that the movie did better than what his book did. I I don't think he said that necessarily. No. <laughs> I think he just said that he liked he liked the movie. Yeah, and he said I just burped. I hope that didn't get picked up. Um, and he said they were really nice to him because um, they allowed him on set, yeah. and he said that. He showed up, you know, just, you know, expecting to find an area 
you know, where he could be just be out of the way, but they actually mm. had a chair made with his name on it. Oh, lovely. Um, and Don Roos said that um, the director was not because there, there are certain directors who don't want the screenwriter to have any interaction with the actors. Okay. Because, um, like, the screenwriter is seen a lot of the time as creating the skeleton yeah, of yeah. the movie and the actors and the director and the producer and everybody else provide the flesh and the meat. Um, so when you write the script, your job is done, go away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the director was not like that with Don Roos. He said he was welcome on the set all the time and everybody was really nice to him and he he got to talk with because Bridget and Jennifer were both very collaborative and yeah. they always had ideas especially Jennifer so um, he was writing new scenes a lot of the time Yeah. Um, and he said they when during the rehearsal, the scene when um, Allie's sleeping uh, after Buddy dies, when Allie's sleeping and Hedra's like putting it on really bad that she's like having a nervous breakdown so that Sam will pity fuck her. Mm. Um, <laughs> when he goes to shut the door and she doesn't let go of his arm, yeah, that was all her idea. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, ooh, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, she had a lot of input. And he didn't, I don't, I guess this is an insult to actors. I don't know why. But he didn't want to tell her. Jennifer. Um, but they were good ideas. But no, 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 no. Um, he didn't want to tell her that um, his nickname for her was One Take Jennifer. Oh, because okay. she got everything on the first day. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know why, but I guess that's an insult. Maybe some um, actors like doing very uh, multiple takes. Like, they feel they want some to actors do the director more options of things. Some actors do. And that was the case with Bug. Okay. By the way, because a lot of them, in particular Ashley Judd, wanted to do multiple takes and William Friedkin was like no yeah. you, you're, you're doing amazing you got this well to me uh, like in, in the opposite respect I think that an actor wanting to do multiple takes um, is a disrespect to the director uh, or like a distrust to say um, the director trusts uh, you should trust that the director knows you got the correct shot hmm Did you ever oh, yeah, see? Would be done. <laughs> Did you ever see the, the Shining TV show, TV movie? Yeah, with Stephen Weaver and Rebecca Debora. Yeah, yeah. And that annoying child. Oh my God, he was awful. <laughs> he was atrocious, and he was not even cute. And there's lips. I mean, it's, it's a shame to say, but he wasn't cute. 
No, he, um, like he had weird features, <laughs> but <laughs> he reminded. This is so terrible, and I'm going straight to hell. But he kind of reminded me of the um, demon kid at the end of Phenomena that the killer was trying to oh, hide God. and protect. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I think his name's Isaac from Children of the Corn. That type of look? Well, <laughs> no. Give us your bobka, you old bag. <laughs> that was the um, neighbor from Seinfeld. <laughs> no. He wanted the marble rye. Yes, that's the one. The marble rye, yeah. Um... Yeah, um, it's it's funny to me that the that Shining miniseries is loathed by fans. Nobody likes it, and it's far closer to the book than the other movie. Well, yeah, because yeah. Stephen King wrote the screenplay, mm. and he had so much input. Um, I remember reading that they actually wanted um uh fuck Um, i don't like that part i don't like that it upsets me but i think i think she knew what she was doing yeah yeah because i she you could tell she was careful and the way she nudged him it was right under his belly and like so, not to exceed. Yeah, she put her foot on him, then pushed, as opposed to when yeah. you kick something, it's you kick. Yeah, from the yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping, like when I look rewatched it, that I'd see like a little rug underneath that was secretly pulled, but <laughs> no. Oh. No, I don't like it, but at the same time, you could tell she was careful. Yeah. Um. What was I going to say? Um. We were talking about the shining. The other- <laughs> The other guy from Wings, um, Paul McCartney. Oh God, huh? Paul McCartney. Yeah, Paul McCartney. The other guy from the t- sitcom Wings, which Stephen Weber was on, <laughs> was the first choice for Jack in The Shining, but he couldn't do it because he was doing something else, and he recommended Stephen Weber to the producers. Yeah. I always want to pronounce his last name Weber, just because it's a single No, don't do that. Yeah. But I guess there's that barbecue that's Weber. And as much as I like Rebecca, I think I I thought she was miscast as Wendy, but uh, I think she did look more like she did in the book. Well, I don't want to say anything negative about Shelley Duvall because God knows she's been through enough. Um, but she's not an attractive woman at all. Um, I don't think she did well in the role. She did, she did a good job. But, I mean, when you have Shelley and then when you have Rebecca De Mornay, yeah. it's like... Oh. Well, the fact she played olive oil is like makes perfect sense to me. That's what she looks like. Yes, I know. I don't think there was anybody in the world who could have played olive oil mm. except for her. But I think 
her look is came from a day of when um you know Angel Angelica Houston had quite pretty model looks, and I think that Shelley could give that same look as well. But Shelley had the tea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. There was no engagement in the book. I don't think. No, I don't think so at the beginning. Yeah. When they're talking about the wedding. This, um, Bridget here reminds me of my, my ex-friend who, <laughs> like, she moved in with her brother and they signed a lease and then she got with a guy and, like, within a few weeks she moved out and so left the the whole lease to her brother to look after. It was like, you fucking uh, <laughs> selfish bitch. <laughs> And I sort of asked gently about it. And she said, oh, no, he's all right with it. <laughs> like, he can handle it. <laughs> mm. There's a lot of moments like this in the book where Hedra is comparing herself to Allie mm. and is saying, you know, Allie, you have all of these wonderful qualities and I don't have anything. Mm. Um, there's several. Um, it's like that Whitney Houston song. I'm every woman. I have nothing. 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 Well, I thought it was I'm every woman because, you know, <laughs> Hedra wants to be every other woman but herself. That would have made she more sense. She should have gotten into acting. She should. Who, Whitney Houston? No, Hedra. Maybe. maybe. Okay. Well, okay. We're going to turn the page. In the book, too, Allie isn't as successful. What is she doesn't. She's in tech. She does. Um, she does. Um, she creates programs for businesses so that they can run more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's uh, sort of what she does in the book, but um, it's not as sophisticated as it is here. Yeah. Um, and there's no attempted rape with Mitch. Yeah. Um, what happens in the book is because, you know, she gets paid half of her salary and she's supposed to stay on to make sure that the staff learns or knows how to use the software. Yeah. Um, and then when all that's completed, then she gets the rest of her money. Um, but what happens in the book is um, she just comes home crying one day and Hedra's like, what's going on? And Allie's like, I think his name's Mayfair, um, said that he's not going to pay me the rest of my salary unless I sleep with him. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. So it was more, uh, what happens in the film is a lot more visual representation of what happened in the book. Well, it, it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. 
Um, and also, I believe I told you this before, um, in the book, Allie is Blonde, and Hedra doesn't cut her hair or dye it. She just gets a wig. Oh, okay. Um, and there's certain, there's a, there's a running thing throughout the book, um, where Allie keeps getting obscene phone calls, um, uh, guys saying, guys saying that things that he wants to do to her Mm -hmm. or, um, things that he wants to do to her again or the things that they didn't get the chance to do the last time they met or whatever and she doesn't know what's going on and she goes to the, to the police about it um, and he's like I'm really I'm not sure what to do um, and she meets a guy on the street and he knows who she is and he's like um, wasn't la- the last time we were together good or whatever and blah 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 and she's like I don't even know who you are get away from me and he's like oh you're going to be like that mm-hmm. blah 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 so um, it's the S&M club is very 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 small yes. piece of the movie yeah. but in the book the, uh, Hedger is going to these S&M clubs as Allie having sex with all these people and giving them Allie's phone number. Okay. No. Yeah. That kind of, um, I kind of had that feeling of her of Hedra pretending to be Allie in those clubs, but um, well, she does. She is yeah. because the bartender calls her Allie. Yeah. Um. But uh, how could you not know that you're you're talking to somebody else if you're face to face? I mean, a wig can't change your whole face. Yeah, but um, in an S&M club, maybe he was wearing like a gimp suit. Okay. You, you, okay. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure that you would probably find some way to figure out how to work that in and make it believable because of all the time that you spent in your... S&M clubs of uh, Australia with your leather daddies. Well, I'm currently talking through a bowl gag. Aren't you impressed? Mm. Mm. And a harness. You're wearing a harness. Oh, no. Uh, Locktober's finished. So. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, getting back to Buddy... Um, I think that was another smart thing to add to the movie because it was a manipulation tactic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, I think um, the the dog death has become a trope in a lot of thrillers, um, where a lot of time the dog oh. is the first victim. Well, let me say two things about that. Shame. Um, they had test screenings the director the director does not like to just release something without an audience having seen it first not all directors are like that but he really wants to make sure that he's confident enough and that the audience responds the way he had intended um so 
they had like three test screenings and in the first one they had the art department make an exploded buddy that was bloody and oh. all over the fucking street the yeah. and the audience was horrified um so they were uh, they were like ooh okay so we got to turn tone it down a little bit so he made another one and that one was less grisly, but still too grisly. Yeah. So there, he was like, okay, we got to do another one. And then finally, they ended up with what you see in the movie, which people still don't like. Mm -hmm. um, and during the test screenings, um, when the, there's an area where it says, what do you like least about the movie? Everybody put, they didn't like the scene that the dog died. And there was one card where a woman said something to the effect of, I'm so tired of directors like you who exploit the death and cruelty of animals to create um, sympathy for characters in films. You're disgraceful. Well, I don't think it creates sympathy. I think it was just... It is, uh, but it is used to repulse the audience and cause shock I like how she set the whole thing up where she interrupted him and I don't know if she did that on purpose well, she took note of the fact that she interrupted him. Well, she did now. It was like a realization. But I don't know if that was necessarily a calculated thing for the dog to die. I don't oh, know. Oh, I thought she that pushed him out. fucking huge. Oh, I never thought of oh, that. Oh, I, th I thought she murdered him. I thought she did it on purpose. I always just assumed it was an accident. Because I always thought she looked genuinely confused. Nah, I, I, see, I reckon she, uh, I reckon she caused it. I don't know. Because she hated the dog. Like, as in, she, the dog was loving uh, Bridget more than her. Yes, yes, she did, that's true. She did resent that the dog was more attached to Allie. Mm, sorry, I need to write their names. I keep calling them after names. Allie and Hetty. Oh my god. She is so hamming it up. <laughs> well, guys can't take hints. She needs to really like. Well, she doesn't really know how to be intimate yeah. with a guy or, you know, I mean, she needs somebody, like I said, to pity fuck her. Yeah. So, or the character, not Jennifer. Um, so she's really, really trying hard to make him feel sorry for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Laying it on very thick. <laughs> it's not subtle at all. No. no and no, I no. think he knows, yeah. too. He knows. But so, yeah, even that, like, a uh, that emotion seems like an overreaction because um, 
I'm still looking at it as her wanting the buddy to die. I don't know. I, I just... I always saw that as her taking it as an opportunity. Oh, no, this isn't, this isn't up for discussion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's taken advantage of a bad situation. Yes. Yes. Um... Although, um, Ali's always, like, behind schedule for someone in the tech industry, really. <laughs> she's got wire well, hangers. she just had, like, a Xanax-induced sleep. Mm. So. And I, her life is, like, kind of, you know, frazzled. Yes. Right now. Because the, the first meeting that she fucked up it was you know when she threw Sam out um and then, then now the dog died um I'm going to um jump to the ending because you were terrific. okay go ahead <laughs> Uh, by the way, to this dress that um, Ali's wearing, uh, Bridget's wearing right now, that's the dress that uh, Hetty wears when she goes to the S and S and M club. Ah, yep, yep, yep. Um. So, what happens in the book is very, very different. So, um. Allie comes home and she finds Sam and Hedra fucking and like Hedra's like full on straddle mm, you know like riding him and so and he's not remorseful at all and it turns into and she's not remorseful at all she's <laughs> um She's like Nancy and in the craft. <laughs> so she, um, so they have like a little affair, and then she kind of like calls Allie and teases her. It's like, oh, are you sad? Do you feel bad that I took your boyfriend or whatever? <laughs> and she's like, you know, <sighs> juvenile yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. And so. Um, and she still wears the wig when she's intimate with Sam. So they have this little thing that goes on. Um, and I can't remember why right now. But, um, oh, and they do use the thing with the, uh, that belted, uh, jacket mm -hmm. that um, Allie wears and Hetty borrows all the time um, in the book. Yeah. Um, so there's like a similar similar jacket. Um, so I don't remember why, but um, Allie goes to the hotel to see Sam for something. And when she gets there, she steps on something. She's like, ooh, what's that? Um, and there's Sam's hand. 
and she looks and there is Sam dismembered um, on the floor on the other side of the bed and she rushes into the bathroom to throw up and the bathroom the toilet is filled with uh, BM and with what sorry? she realizes huh? what's the toilet filled with? BM Okay. It's filled with shit. Ah, oh, okay. Oh god. <laughs> um I was trying to be eloquent. Um so Allie's like, "Oh, she must have uh got him when he was uh <laughs> vulnerable Duck, or unsuspecting." Okay. And so she throws up into the bowl full of fecal BM. And it such a rush of vomit that it splashes back in her face, and it's like, why, 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 why would you do that? Why? Um, I've never heard the term BM. You never heard the term bowel movement? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have heard that, but. Um. So, what happens is, um. Um, Allie kind of, um, she kind of gets the blame or I I don't know if she gets the blame or she's scared of getting the blame. So she's afraid to go home. So there's like pages and pages and pages of her just wandering the streets. She rents a cheap hotel room. Um, she breaks into Mitch's apartment and steals a bunch of jewelry and sells it at a pawn shop um, for money. And and what happens is um, the detective who she was talking to about the phone calls, he gets tipped off by the jeweler and he arrests her for the murder of Sam. Yeah. And so Hedra's all, you know, ooh, I got away with it. Da, da, da. And then she meets with the, um, the uh, what do you call it? The landlord of the building and she rents the apartment. So it's like her first night in the apartment or whatever. And she's like thinking about how Allie used to have it and this and that. And then she turns around and Allie is sitting on the couch as in detective is on the chair. This all happens after grandma's killed, by the way. Yeah. And the whole thing with the vents is in the book. Uh, okay. So, um, and he, he has seen Hedra too. And he knows about their situation that um, Hedra's living there illegally and she's not on the lease. And he's trying to, con- you know, tell Allie, you know, I'm not going to say anything, I don't care. Um, so what happens is um, the detective pulls out a box 
and he's like, um, it just so happens that we found this in Graham's apartment when we were going through his effects. And it's all these notes that he was keeping for his next play. Mm-hmm. And all of it was stuff that he overheard through the vent about Hetty. Ah, uh, okay. So all of the proof, because Hetty, you know, again, was trying to act like, you know, she never existed and she rents the apartment under a different name. And um, so, yeah, there was all the evidence there. So what happens is she runs out of the building and then all of a sudden Allie's not so naive anymore and they have their big fight in the elevator. Um, But Hedra gets arrested. She goes to jail and Allie gets another job and she moves. She's from originally supposed to be from Illinois. So she goes home to Illinois and the way the book ends is she finds out somehow that um, the apartment is being rented out to two women who are supposed to be twins. Okay. Very, very unsatisfying ending. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, the book sounds very event-driven as opposed to character-driven. Like, it, it seems like a case of just things happen after each other <laughs> and just for no real reason. Yeah, it's not really like this is connected to this and this yeah. is why this person did this. Um, and in the in the book, there is a clipping, but instead of it being about the death of her sister, it's about one of her other murders where she dismembered somebody yeah. else or the previous roommate. And there's no letter from Sam or anything with the keys that she, that she stole, none of that. Yeah, yeah. I hate that Sam writes in capital letters. It's hard to read. Who the fuck writes in capital letters? I know, idiots. I miss the days of letter writing, though. Yeah. I used to love to write letters. It's a lost art. It is. One of the best lines in the movie is coming up. That one. Uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> That one. There's a better delivery here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, so she doesn't, in the book, she doesn't even have Graham as a confidant. You know? He's just a side, she does, a side character that really... He's just a side character she sees when she goes to eat at the deli. Yeah, and but he had, um, he had that box of their dialogue. That's really the only thing he contributed in the book. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Well, 
he also um, uh, wanted Allie to see the play. Yeah. Um, that was produced, and the night that she was supposed to go was the night he was killed. Yeah. Um, well, which again, I still don't know. <laughs> I still I find it funny, like. If I were out in the city and I'd see these two idiots looking exactly the same. Because <laughs> that Bob well, look is like very uh, particular. <laughs> they originally wanted them, or the producers originally wanted um, Allie to be blonde. Okay. And the director want, really wanted red. I think red um, works better. It does work better. Um, a little orange oh, is what it looks like. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what his his reasoning was, but the way he put it was probably a lot more eloquent than I could. This music is so nineties. Um, yeah, I remember this. This was a kind of a big song. Enigma. <laughs> no, this is an enigma. Ah. Like this, although I will say that this scene seems quite timid um, for an S and M scene. That um, there would have well, been. Well, you like, don't see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, there would have been other movies that explored Shirk more. Well, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> they barely got away with what they got away with in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> because they kept having to cut back and cut back and cut back. Because again, European director, he thought you know. All the sex was perfectly fine. Um, this is something that's... I don't want to wait to tell the story. But um, for the uh, for the scene when Hetty goes into Sam's room and gives him the bajowsk. By the way, it switches back and forth because... At some from some shots, it is Bridget. Yes, and then yeah. It switches to Jennifer. Yeah. Um, but because the director wanted authenticity, he went to a sex shop and bought the most realistic <laughs> dildo he could find. And Jennifer is sucking on it. Um, and he said there were meant to be some shots. Of that okay. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Which wouldn't um, fly. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. The, the, yeah, no. The MPAA was like, nah, no, no, no. Um, well, I mean, there were things that, a lot of things actually, that he wanted in the movie, but. And could have had in the movie with the, the Nancy 17. Mm -hmm. But I think he wanted the movie to be seen by more people. Yeah. More than that. Um, but he said there are some frames somewhere yeah. with Jennifer with that dildo in her mouth. <laughs> well, it, it, I think that's what's been the good thing with the, the invention of DVD is you can have uh, more access to the unedited, you know, the director's cuts are more easily come by. Um, 
Another thing too, um, well, this was actually in the original. Well, uh, that scene, by the way, um, that scene was uh, with the high heel and the eye. Mm. That was grislier. Yeah, yeah. And in the original cut, she pulls it out. And the eye comes out? No. You just hear, like, the squishy sounds. Yeah. And it's not it's not close up. It's shot from far away. Yeah. But um, the test, test audience did not like it. They are yeah. like, Ugh. But it kind of, it has that payoff when you see the high heel with the blood on it later. Mm. Um, so. I, I still think it's an effective kill. Uh, like, when I it saw is. it. The first time I was like, "Ooh," <laughs> and it's it's quite a symbolic kill, you know, a female using a high heel to kill someone. It was also um, the way the camera was and the way she swung it was shot differently originally. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it the way it it still turned out well. What does the term heady um, mean? What? What does the word heady mean? Heady? It, it's, it no, doesn't mean anything. No, but it's used in the song Substitute for Love, isn't it? No heady danger? Oh, heady. Um, dangerous. Okay, yep. Dangerous, overwhelming. Um... So I think I think it's a good name for the movie. Like that's why. Well, it's H E A D Y. Yeah, I realize Um, that. Yeah, Hetty is is used a lot of the time to like describe a large, hustling, bustling city. Yeah. That somebody is seeing for a long time. It's like you know they found the city to be very heady with all of the, the people and the traffic and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, Overwhelming. Over. Yeah. See, this is where the gamers comes out. He's such a nosy parker. <laughs> it's in everyone's business. Oh, wait. Let me. I don't let me. I want to tell you something about him, but I want to say you to tell you this first. Um, after the movie was finished, they showed it to an actual therapist. Because they wanted to make sure that Hetty's uh, behavior was authentic. And the therapist was like, yeah, uh, what you created is a borderline personality with psychotic tendencies. And they were like, yes. (laughs) Score. Um, (laughs) Score, exactly. Um... But with him, he was highly, highly, highly allergic to cats. Really? (laughs) He has to hold him all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I love that shot of him holding them, holding Carmen like a baby. Yeah. When he's walking around, it's so cute. I just, I found Um, it so sad when he's in the bathtub and the cat's cradling. I know. But, um,. So what he did, they, he was given, he knew about the cat 
um, in the script. Um, but you know, he was like, he didn't want to turn down the role. So he went to a doctor and he's, I don't know exactly what he did with it, but he like started a, like a dander. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can hear. Yeah. You can sort of do a regimen to. Yes. Uh, he did a regimen cause it was for over like the course of like two months. And, um, when he was around the cat, he still took, um, antihistamines um, and antihistamines and um to when he's in the in the tub um to make it look like he was there for longer they put some of the cat's fur on his chest <laughs> to make it look like yeah, yeah, yeah. she was coming and going yeah and he was like well oh, they're really trying to kill me yeah. but he said it, everything was fine he was totally fine good <laughs> he didn't start sneezing mid-scene. Nope. He thought he was. Mm. He was nervous. I um, uh, was curious as to... I don't know how much uh, one bleeds during a period. Whether I don't want to know. <laughs> and it's not really that much of a problem. It's a black dress. Yeah. I love it when she, um, Jennifer, when she cracks her knuckles because it sounds so violent. I wonder if that was her or if they dubbed that in. Yeah. Ah! It's it's like um, her restraining herself. Like a a choke chain on her fingers. Well, it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like she's... Yeah, she's she's trying to swallow mm. what what, what, she, what Allie's telling her. Mm. Um, <laughs> but she's she's a uh, a pot boiling right now. Yeah. What did Jennifer go on to do after this? Do you know? She was it like Dolores Claiborne or something? Yeah, yeah. I I just feel like um I um. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that, I'm glad she didn't get typecast because she was such a good villain in this. No, um, no, she didn't get typecast. Like I could imagine that happening. Well, I th- she, she comes across to me as being very intelligent, mm. so I think that she would know what roles. To stay away from? Yeah, yeah. Her name is not Ellen Besh in the book either, and there are no parents looking for her. There's no previous doctors or hospitals. So again, another interesting addition to the movie, though. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. She has pills. Um... I forget what they were. It was like Demerol or something. It was something really strong. Yeah. And you don't really know 
where she's getting her money. Yeah. Either that's the thing in the book, because um, in the movie, you know, her 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 parents she, mu her, she yeah. must come from a wealthy family because her father's sending the checks, and she's whatever she's not getting. She's you know probably working part time at that bookstore, but in the in the book, um, she has money, um, enough money to split the rent. But is that because she's killed someone and stolen their identity? I don't know. They don't, they don't really say. Mm. All they say is that she's a temp. Yeah. Um, so she has temp jobs, and then she, um, she starts saying that she ha is taking night jobs, and it turns out that when she's taking these night jobs, she's going to the S&M club. Yeah. I find that Sam's death happens relatively early. Like, at a, I don't know. Um, I feel like in other movies, his death would have come later. but Or maybe not even at all. I had... I guess I thought of this because I knew we were going to record this. Com the commentary for this particular movie. But I had a thought. Which... What would you rather, okay, either being in a long-term marriage with someone who you are in love with more than you've ever been in love with ever before and you're totally happy and your life is fulfilled and everything is grand and then you find out that they cheat on you and you can't get past it and it's over. Or you're in the same relationship and you stay married for the rest of your life and the other person does have affairs, you just don't know about it. Oh, okay, would, would I rather be in out. the dark? Yeah, which um, would you... I'd probably just... I'd maybe rather end the relationship. Cause, really? Well, uh, if they're continuing to have affairs, then obviously they're not invested in the relationship. But you don't know that. Yeah, but why would I want someone to be unhappy with me? But you don't know they're unhappy with you. But You think they're, ha <laughs> they're as happy and in love as you are. Uh, I think... So what I'm asking, what I'm asking is if you would rather face reality or live a lie. I'd probably r rather face reality. <laughs> I would probably live a lie. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad. It's like, oh, if you're cheating on well, me, just I don't mean, let me know. Is that what you'd rather? <laughs> well, that's the kind of relationship that Jeannie Garofalo has um, with her long-term. She's not married, but... Um, She's been with a guy for like 20 years, but yeah. she's not, um, what's the word? Um, she just doesn't like sex. She's, um, ambitious. Like she's a asexual. Yeah. She's asexual. Yes. Thank you. Um, but she understands that he's not, and he still wants 
to have physical relationships. So she's okay with him having them because I think he's in a band mm-hmm. and he travels a lot. So she's okay with him meeting other women and having brief affairs, but she, just as long as she, he doesn't say anything. She doesn't yeah, want to yeah. know anything about but it. But she, know, she knows about it. She just knows that he's not talking about it. Like, as in... She doesn't know specifics. Yeah. If it were me... If that were me and I had that arrangement, I would constantly be wondering, did he just, was he just with somebody? Yeah, yeah. Like, Where if, did he, if go he that calls weekend? you up to say his working late, it's like, oh, is he really working yeah. late? I mean, I, it's good for her that, uh, you know, being, if she is she's part of the ACE community. She can understand that sex is a need for other people, just not for her. Yeah. I I think what's the most important thing is that she's she's happy. Yeah. With the the life that she has and with the person that she has, and she is respectful of his needs. Um, and is okay with him being fulfilled knowing that she can't fulfill him yeah yeah you know it's it's different strokes you know it might not work for you but if it works for somebody else you know and they're happy it's really all that matters yeah like I'm sure that uh, uh, well I, I hope that he fulfills her needs and she, in in return, understands that because um, she can't fulfill his, he can get it from someone else. I think he does fulfill her needs. Yeah. A companionship. Yes, um, yeah. I, I feel like I actually feel quite badly for Stephen Webber. Because I, I kind of see this as a, a, a rape scene. Um, he didn't want it, and... And then he gets killed. Oh. Well, I don't like him. Because he cheated on her, and to me, he's untrustworthy. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that she made a mistake of taking him back. Taking him back. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Um, I don't think he deserved to die because of. <laughs> no. Um, but I'm saying I don't. I don't really care. There's a, a bit of a sleep. That he did. Yes. Cheating is not something that I I could ever forgive somebody for. And believe yeah. me, I've cut people out of my life for a lot less than that. So. If you're going to fucking betray my trust to that extent, get the step in. <laughs> I don't need you. Eddie? Oh. What happened there? I knocked over my bottle of Gatorade. I um, 
did like this concept of um, her sort of framing her. And I wouldn't have minded seeing how that played out. I don't really think that was premeditated to kill him. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I think that she meant to just go there to fuck around with him or to seduce him. Yeah, yeah. And to to show to Ali that he was still a bad guy. I think that was the intention. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, killing him was... Um, incidental, but incidental. It was an impulse. Um, she wasn't thinking. But now and she's when taking she's, opportunity. Of, yeah, yeah. And you could tell. You could see how dazed she is when she passes the doorman or the yeah, um, yeah. Or even yeah. Uh, when she does kill him, like she's in shock almost that it's happened. Yeah, she can't believe it. Yeah. But she bounces back. She does. But had that been the ending, I actually wouldn't have minded either. Like of of uh, Ali being accused and investigated for his murder, because nobody's seen this heady that you're talking about. No, I don't like that. I think that actually was the name of the hotel in the book, too. The Atherton. Should have filled her mouth See, we do get Allie, we do get Allie puking, <laughs> yes. but just not with a toilet full of shit <laughs> that splashes back in her face. Just to wipe a bit of brown off her. Mm. Yeah, she gets a dirty Sanchez. Because mm. you've got those high water toilets. Our, our toilets are quite low with water. Um, not really high. Because they're like half filled. Are like ours are like a quarter. Oh, filled. you have those low flow ones. Yes. Um. Oh, with the small tanks. I think so. Those are like common. Like everybody has them. Like the low tank ones. Okay. I'm asking you. Oh, that's what. That's uh, almost entirely what we have here. Oh. I remember they they were a thing like in the early nineties when like you know water conservation was a big thing, but um, the I don't even like to use the word toilet, but uh, toilet. I when I write about them in in books or whatever I I use I do use the word commode, um, but they. They have evolved over the years, because it used to be eight gallons of water would would go when you would flush. Yeah. Um, but it's it's nowhere near that much anymore. Yeah. Hmm. 
it's nice when the audience Oh, he called Yes. <laughs> Something that the lead doesn't. <laughs> um, do you have the concept of dunnies? Dummies? No, like double N, N for November. Dunnies. Yeah. What is that? Uh, like an outdoor toilet, an outhouse. No. Okay. You know why I think you're sick? Well, like in campgrounds. No, it's, it's more of a farm thing and like an old house thing, I think, where it's just sort of separated from the house. Well, um... I couldn't believe it when my father told me this, but um, he said when he was a kid, um, he was born in the 50s, um, he had an aunt that didn't have any indoor plumbing in South Philly, which is crazy to me. Um, and she actually had an outhouse in her backyard, and it was disgusting. So just connected to the septic tank. You know, I, I don't think there was a septic thing. I think I heard a rumour that there's no toilets in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> like, because of the time that it was built, that was before indoor plumbing. <laughs> and so... And that's why the... I'm the, sure they figured the that out. That's why had, like, um, you know, someone who had to take the bowl. Okay. I'll look it up later. I will say, I do think that the end draws a bit. Oh, a bit, a bit, yeah. I, I was thinking that when I was when I was listening to it. Like, there's still 25 minutes to go, and it could have started wrapping up by this point. Because she knows... Well, it did, going. originally, because, you know, like I said, the original ending was in the ele- in the elevator. And then she goes to prison. What a, what a crappy ending. <laughs> No, I think they kill each or uh, Allie kills her in the elevator. Oh, okay. Or either oh, that or Hedra prison. kills her. Okay. Oh, you know what ha- happened mm-hmm. was um, the original ending, which was in the elevator, but I'm not a hundred percent sure ex- exactly what happened. Um, it didn't test well because you know it's a Hollywood movie, and in Hollywood movies especially with movies like this, the villains always got to get their comeuppance. Like, yeah, yeah. How... There's no way in hell the hand that rocks the cradle would not have ended without fucking Peyton going into that fence um, that poor Solomon slaved and built. Mm. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Bad choice of words. Um, anyway, turn the page. Um, so they... They... Um, ending. Yes. Our audience didn't like it, so the villain had to get the comeuppance. So the, dir- the director's like, "Okay, we got to rewrite this. What are we gonna do?" Um, Don Roos was already working on something else, um, so they didn't ask him, <laughs> and so they found somebody else to write it, and he said. At that time, he wasn't happy 
that they didn't ask him, he was offended. Yeah, yeah. Um, they should have asked and let him say no. If they should have. Yeah. I think they should have at least asked him. Mm. Um, there was something else I wanted to say about him too, but um, yeah, he said that um, he only saw the movie one time. That was it. A single white female. Yeah. Okay. And it really didn't have anything to do with that. It just yeah, he, that once was all, is enough. Yeah. <laughs> Once was enough, if, you know, he wrote it. Um, but what I meant to say earlier with him talking about um, having interaction and uh, being on the set and talking with the cast and everything, with this, um, he had an experience a couple years later because he wrote that movie Boys on the Side. Okay. And the director banned him from the set. He was not allowed anywhere near like, the fucking set. Without him ever coming on? anywhere near the actors. Never coming on yeah. the set. Never. The director was like, you stay the fuck away. Okay. So it wasn't a case of like a high he came once and caused commotion. It was just like no. No. He just didn't want him anywhere near anybody. He was like this is my set bitch. Yeah. He's like the other woman. And that shows you know somebody whose ego is a little too fragile. Because with this the director of this you know he was everybody who was interviewed on the disc um Stephen and um, Graham and um, Peter. Um, yeah, they all said that he was he was very open um, to suggestions, and um, he was always willing to talk. And like you know, was like I said, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jennifer had different ideas and he was always willing to listen. He wasn't... He didn't have um, blinders on. Yeah. When he was making it was a collaborative movie. effort. It was a collaborative effort, yeah. Oh. Well, it's got, and... maybe, maybe the other director had a bad experience with a screenwriter, so maybe that was... <laughs> it just... it's, I don't even fucking know who yeah. directed that movie because I saw it once and I was like, yeah, that's enough of that. Um... I don't need to hear Whoopi Goldberg sing anymore. Um, <laughs> do you know who Steven Weber got to work with later? Um, very, very well-known director in the horror community, who you are very well aware of. Yeah, I, I have seen them in something, but I can't remember what. What was it? He got to work with Dario Argento. Oh, in what movie? No, no, I'm just watching He was in the episode of Masters of Horror that okay. Dario directed. Yeah. The movie. Interestingly, or funnily enough, that was called Jennifer. Yeah. With one N. Ah. Slap. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way a TV in 1992 
would make that much fucking noise. Oh yeah, no, I think that I, loud. yeah, I, I used to have that loud TV. She's just lucky not so loud much. where it's gonna <laughs> disturb the entire fucking floor. Maybe your parents had your TV locked on a certain volume. So. No. We used to get screamed at at certain time. <laughs> I like this part here where she completely loses her fucking mind. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> like Bridget's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I wonder if they. Sh- I wonder if she's thinking we didn't rehearse this. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Not part of the show, people. <laughs> and the director's like, yeah, they were collaborating the whole time. What? <laughs> <laughs> This music cue that's about to come up when she changes her mind, it's the same music cue that's in the very, very beginning when you see the twins. Ah, yes. Yeah, yes it is. (laughs) That bloody knife mark. She was not fucking around. She got a serrated knife. Yeah. Could feel every prick. Well, wouldn't you want to? (laughs) I don't know why Bridget is wearing those hideous fucking Walmart slip ones. (laughs) Bobos that cost about two dollars. Well, back in those days, the secretary. That's what that's what kids used to call them when I was young. Bobos, bobos, really cheap. Yeah, isn't that like cheap off-brand sneakers? Yes. Mm In the book, um, Mitch's character was divorced, mm. and I guess it was supposed to be the the secretary character. Um, when um, it talks about how briefly when she first started working for him, um, he like you know made it. A sexual relationship for her to keep the job or something. Yeah. Well, that was good insurance on her part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't have that in the book. Yes. Nope. It was just like a handshake deal, and that was it. Yeah. She didn't have a backup plan. And it was, you know, a good way of introducing someone to. Excuse me. You turn them all off. You turn them all off. 
This was, I'm pretty sure, the first time I ever saw the internet in a movie. Yeah. See, I think it, it in the movie it shows that the secretary doesn't really like him. Because, like, once no. he left, she was, like, yeah, kind of, like, uh, putting on her earrings and, like, you know, like oh, she's, yeah, she that didn't give a fuck. Welcoming his comeuppance type of thing. Mm-hmm. This is this has got to be. I don't know. Would it even be twenty eight point eight kb? This is nineteen ninety two. Could it have been less? Sixteen maybe. Um, it was his email. Um, Don Roos's email. Uh, that she was writing to. Yeah. They put that in there as a joke. <laughs> Do you remember the reviews for this movie? I remember being pretty reviewed favorably. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I feel like, um, I don't know if it was this movie or, you know, another one, but like, say, Roger Rebert sort of saying how it's, um, shows why women should have a partner type of thing. Like that if she wasn't a single woman, then like this wouldn't have happened. (laughs) He would be dumb enough to say something like that. And there's no 13th floor, by the way. No. Well, num- uh, number 13. No. I used to know Ever. someone that lived at a house 11A. So it went 11, 11A, 15. Oh. Uh, uh, that, that's my shrink. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's in eleven A. In another building, of course. In another building, of course. So I'll see you tomorrow. Eleven <laughs> ish. Uh, it will be the day, Dorman. Oh. They can't work here twenty four hours a day, can they? Mm. Let's just we talk about that movie. I think we're going to have to do it eventually. <laughs> we're going to get a, like a swear job of soap dish. <laughs> well, for a certain podcast that I listened to, <clears throat> they had a, um, a, what do you call it, a, uh, a landmark episode. I think it was their... 250th or something. Okay. Um, so they uh, did one of their favorite, I think they have a mutual favorite uh, movies, um, Better Off Dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two dollars. It's a horror <laughs> podcast. I never thought that movie was funny. Silly. Stupid. I still remember the song. Um, although you need to watch um, the anniversary party. I was going to quote it at the opening. I, w- I was looking for it. Um, it's on. It's not on Blu-ray. It's on DVD, but the DVD is like $20. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I'll find it. Um, it might be I might probably find it internet archives. cheaper on eBay. Oh, no, if, if, you can't, if, you can't, if you can't get it for free, then don't worry about it. I'll, 
I find a way to get things, don't you worry. <laughs> you like the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. Brandon finds a way. I do. I do like that um, um, the gay character comes back. Like, you just assume he's dead. <laughs> yes, and Don, who is also gay, said specifically, in my version, the gay character is not going to die. Yeah. Well, in his version, the straight character turned out to be gay, so, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. (laughs) She must have read my diary. I think she improvised that, I think. Either she improvised it on the spot or she wrote it. Yeah. I liked the um, email that um, was written in hard candy. <laughs> Just yeah. for that. If you remember that movie. Um, I get this ooky feeling. What the hell? How does it go? The one that she's sending to um, his the ex- model? Yes. And like, uh, it's saying, um, um, yeah, like saying how, oh, I'm talking to this guy and I see that he's your, like, ex and, am I crazy? Is this, you know, like, <laughs> she writes it like a rule, like. Am I insane? Yeah. <laughs> Is he? I tried to make it sound as innocent and moronic <laughs> yeah. as I could. How do you think I did? <laughs> I like the owl sequence <laughs> when it, she She was character. so good in that movie. I feel uncomfortable using that gender because I know they've changed. Well, she was a she then, yes. so. But I do remember seeing that movie. I saw it theatrically and I was like, she is going places. Mm. Let me tell you what. And she won for Juno. Yes. Like yeah. two years later. I remember feeling kind of. Um, uh, a feeling of sickness after the castration scene. Like, even though you saw nothing, I just felt so like, oh, that affected me. <laughs> well, I just thought, what a waste, because it was dreamy, dreamy <laughs> Patrick Wilson. You're conjuring some testicular enjoyment. I don't understand. And, um, what those weird locks with all the bars? What the fuck is that? I thought it was just like oh. a secondary, uh, you know, something. Um, but it didn't work obviously because she got in. He, he, um, the actor uh, who played Graham, uh, he's he was said that he was um. He was fighting with the, the stunt woman, of course. And, okay. um, but when he puts his hand on her face and he had to hit it, yeah. hit her head against the floor, the director was like, it doesn't look, it doesn't look real enough. You got to do it again. Yeah. And he kept making him do it over and over again. And then he finally was like, I can't do this anymore. It did he felt like it was terrible. Back, yeah. He said he, he felt he was, 
he felt so bad that it brought him to tears. He was like, I can't do yeah. this. And he walked off the, the set. I was going to say, when uh, Hedy gets her hands caught in the door, it kind of reminded me of the throwback to when she was holding um, Stephen's hand at the door. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, as far as the head slamming went, I don't know why they didn't just get a rubber floor yeah. like they did at the end of Poison Ivy. Or Drew Barrymore. They could have gotten Drew Barrymore. <laughs> to do stunt work, yeah. To do the stunts, yes. Or just to, you know, have a cameo. Say yeah, hey. yeah. They, they could have, like, bruised their tits. Bruised the tits. Mm-hmm. Or she could have, like, you know, <laughs> met Hedro and was like, I'm a manipulative, crazy bitch, too. Hey. Yeah, we should meet up. Call me. Let's do lunch. Let's do lunch, yeah. Have a salad. It's... I, be- a I believe I believe um... <laughs> a Caesar salad. You can stab me in the back trendy restaurants. Times. What? <laughs> like I believe um Hedra's um lunatic strength. Like it looks real. <laughs> like she's got that crazy ability. That crazy bitch energy. Yes, that's what it is. Should be a great fuck. Yeah, she would tie you to the bed and go to town. Mm. That was Sharon Stone. She would go all body of evidence on your <laughs> ass. She would wax it. Why do you keep referencing that? You talk about that scene so often. Well, I was just shifting gears. <laughs> I think you have I'm a thing sorry. for that horse tooth motherfucker. <laughs> no, no. I just think it was the dumbest line for him to use when there's candles around. <laughs> She's got the, I know what you did last summer, Hook. No. Um, she's got the Sorority House Massacre 2. Mm. That's what she's got. Yeah, that'll that'll make it come out <laughs> screaming at me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Let me love you. I don't like that part. I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> she was not happy about that. Come and tell you, they really threw that rat on her, and she was unthrilled. Oh, really? Yeah. Nothing wrong with rats. They're more hygienic than uh, mice. Yeah, except for the fact that they're diseased and disgusting. So that nearly wiped out the, <laughs> the world through plague. But she knew, you know, going in that she had to do it and she was a trooper. Remember when the <laughs> Farouzabolk had that cockroach on her face? <laughs> We talk about that in the crowd when she has to wipe it off. <laughs> the part that I like so much when she's like, 
she, she regains her attention. She's yes. like, wait, what were you saying? That's how Jennifer should have played it. What? She'd be like, oh, fucking rat. Yes. Now, where are you? Yeah. Did you watch? Did you watch Sister Sister? Sister Sister. I didn't. Couldn't finish it. It was so boring. Yeah, it's yeah. I kind of remember it. Sort of was one of those uh, mood pieces. It was very moody, and I was in no mood. Mm. You had no time for it. I cried the whole week. You got bronchitis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. I just remember those um, uh, window frame, whatever the fuck it is. The arch. Um, yeah, and Harry met when Harry met Sally. I think it was shot in the same. Because what they did was the director knew had a friend who lived in the building, and he modeled it the set after her apartment. Yeah. Um. And she went, she visited the set and she was like, ooh, here's my bedroom. Mm. Um, and Graham's apartment is Allie's apartment that they just redressed. Yeah, yeah. I hate the song. Who sings Horrible. it? I don't know, but it sounds like Chrissy Hind. Yeah. I don't like it. It's so 90s. <laughs> it dates it. It is very. Beach, it yeah. does. They should have. They should have just played the score. Uh. And get that funky. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. discovering. Yeah, different music. Oh, some different uh, speakers work. Oh. And now we have a choir. That's so um, reminiscent of Like a Prayer. Mm-hmm. She was trying to let the choir sing when Madge was like, nah. Mm. I did that shit first, bitch. So that was the wonderful single white female. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm glad that uh, the ending, uh, you know, that little minute at the end was a good wrap up and tapped it off. Yeah. <sighs> Vile buddy. I still think they should have played the score over the credits. <laughs> <laughs> well. The song is so awful. It's an okay song. The oh, it was Enigma I, that played the, that had that song. Was it? Yeah. I just remember that song that they did. Um, uh, this song is by a band called Mood Swings, featuring the voice of Chrissy Hine. Yeah, I knew her voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I can't remember that song that Enigma was was known for. I thought they did that. Ah, de moi. Well, you just said that was them, so I guess so. Yeah. Well, that song that's that was song in that the was club was called the... Sadness yes. or Sadness. 
Yeah. Is it? That's it. Oh, is that the name of that song? Okay. No, that was the song. Oh, God, I can't, I can't deal with you. I just cannot. Um, and I know, because this, this, this generally happens when I do a lot of research for a particular movie that I am Return going to... Return to Innocence, that's the song. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and that song was horrible. It was so cheesy. I remember um, it's on it's on one of my commentaries that one of my solo commentaries that before I started recording that night, one of my fucking neighbors was blaring that song at like twelve o'clock. I was like, "Who the fuck would blare Enigma? Return to Innocence like in two thousand? And this was twenty twenty. <laughs> I like one no, of their songs say, from Out from the Deep. But anyway, please continue. I was gonna say. What always happens, what, all, what, what, ha, what seems to ha happen <laughs> when, I, when I do a lot of research for a specific movie and it generally, whenever it's, I, I try to do as much research for the movies, well, for movies that we're doing, you know, in general, unless I can't find anything. But I really try to go above and beyond for the ones that I consider to be some of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and what inevitably happens, because I don't write things down, is either tonight or tomorrow morning, I'll be like, oh, fuck. I forgot <laughs> to talk about that. God damn it. That's where the editing would come in handy. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to edit some random... A piece of trivia into the shit. Like the, uh, the as film it is, the it's... fucking podcast is a mess. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Oh heavens to Betsy! Gobble it I'm I'm very lucky. I'm able to do what what I'm able to do. Yes. Uh, I remember. Um, oh my God! Because I, for those of you who don't know, um, I used to have somebody produce and mix the episodes for me because I'm very, very inept when it comes to this kind of thing, and I didn't want to keep bothering him. Um, because he has his own life and he has his own projects, and this is something that. If I wanted to continue to do the podcast, that I would need to learn how to do myself. Um, but I didn't have enough confidence in myself that I would be able to. So I asked somebody um, who I had. I don't want to say who it is. I'll tell you off mic who it is. Mm -hmm. um, Give them a fact. But name. I had. Well, it doesn't really... He doesn't really need a name. Crystal. But uh, it, it's just... I asked somebody I knew who had some experience in audio editing um, if I could pay him to do episodes, mix episodes. And I'm thinking, like, you know, he's going to say, like, $20 here and there or whatever. Mm. He was, he was like, for what you're describing, uh, about $150. <laughs> I was like, oh... Um, 
No, I don't think like that. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, and Mike didn't even want anything. <laughs> That's the thing. Mike kept saying, you don't have to give me anything. But I just felt so bad about giving him all the... Cause, and plus, these were the days when I was recording with you and with other people. And I had like 10 at a time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're ready to be mixed. Um, so. Well, with um, any luck, we'll have some more co-hosts coming soon. No, nobody's, nobody wants to be on here. Well, Mitchell and Dakota uh, put their paws up. Oh, they did, did they? Hmm. I just have well, to we saw what happened to the last Labrador. What? Oh, yeah, that's true. He... And especially if they start loving you more than me. Jeez. Yeah, he'll meet with an unfortunate... I'm doing air quotes here. Accident. Mm. Um, okay. So, I have no final thoughts except that the end title song needs to go. <laughs> and I'm scared needs to go. Otherwise... <laughs> Single white female is remains even thirty plus years later one of the best thrillers of the era, and Jennifer is an icon, and Bridget is no longer acting, but she was also wonderful, and it's also nice to see some gay representation, especially at this time. In movies. Mm. Um, so that was good. And somebody and somebody who wasn't a gay character who wasn't comic relief. Or, and, uh, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 level of embarrassment. Or Beverly <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> ah, yes. Or even Jack McFarland. Yeah. Um... Ditto to all okay, your sentiment. So that's oh, you don't even have anything to add. Uh, single white females gets a double thumbs up. Right up the bum. One up the bum, one up the pink. Okay. Oh, the shocker. <laughs> oh, two in the pink, one in the stink. Um. Okay. Well. That was a single white female, and we have a very special treat because Tony and I are very, very fond of Jennifer Jason Lee in a strictly platonic way, of course. <laughs> we can share it. Um, yeah. um, no, I just meant when we admire her abilities as an actress and not as a sexual creature. Yes. And I, um, I appreciate her screenwriting as well. You have yet to. I look forward to that. Um, so, yes. So, since we are both fond of Jennifer, um, she'll be returning for next week's episode for another movie that Tony and I are both very fond of. So, make sure you come back for that. So, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Tony for joining me. 
And until next time, this is Brandon Ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams.